I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And here we are, another edition, and it's good to be back. Husker Online, Monday Rundown, we're with you, and there is the man, Sean Callahan. And by the way, buddy, I get to do this show with you tonight, fresh off a win. Nobody got fired. It's a six-way tie in the West. Things are rolling for Nebraska, baby. We're heading to New York City for a game. I mean, life is good right now in the Big Ten West and Lincoln, Nebraska. On a short week, too, man. And I think you're catching Rutgers at a good time, right? They're beat to hell. Nebraska's feeling good. Not missing tackles. Playing good, solid football. Here you go. Could get a little winning streak going. Yeah, Nebraska favored again. So this is the fifth time in six games they've been a Vegas favorite. Um, and as we know, the record right now is two and three, uh, where they lost two games against Georgia Southern and Northwestern, as we, you know, that, that look like bad losses each and every day as the season moves on, as Northwestern's really struggling. Georgia Southern looks like a team now with their first year head coach, but big win over Indiana. I mean, that was a big statement to kind of get things going for Mickey Joseph. Um, it was an epic scene in the locker room. And I know, Trey, you can probably pull that video if you want uh, of Mickey Joseph getting the game ball after the Nebraska game, the official Huskers account tweeted out. And, um, you know, you can just sense the feel, the love for Mickey Joseph right now within the program. And, and there was a lot of excitement today at the press conference. It's pretty cool. Trev Alberts gives him the game ball. And, you know, I got to tell you, Sean, I always like to see good things happen to good people. And I'm at a distance here when you and I talk and do this show. But universally, I talk to Nebraska fans. You guys have mentioned it as well. They love this guy. So it's good to see something good happen. And you can see the video on the screen there. Those of you watching, at home and 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 uh, a cool a cool moment for him and a cool moment for the players obviously and to get a win man just to get a win it's got to be such a relief oh that's really cool look at those guys huh yeah and, and you know this is uncharted waters in nebraska to have a coach fired you know when there was nine games still remaining in the season um you know and trev is tr taking leadership here to get Mickey in place and they had to make a defensive coordinator change as well so you, you just think about what this last month has been like this was an extremely emotional moment, not just for for Mickey Joseph, but the the kids, uh, the yeah. players, because you know they're not very few people, let alone young people, are built to handle kind of what's happened the last few weeks in Lincoln, Nebraska, and um, really across college football. Now there's five Power Five job openings that have already opened, and we're barely into the month of October right now with uh, Wisconsin, and we're going to talk more about that. I know on the show, but Wisconsin opens up this week, and uh, Colorado opened up. Two teams, Nebraska, will play next year. They play Wisconsin still this year, but they actually play Colorado uh, week two of the 2023 season in Boulder. Um, so it is intriguing when you see what's kind of going on around college football. And we know Auburn's on thin ice. They're on thin ice in Auburn every week, but there's going to be a few more that open here, obviously, as we as we move through. 
Yeah, and we will specifically get to the firing of Paul Christ at Wisconsin because that is a conversation that Nebraska fans, and I know all of you insiders, probably turned to and immediately had just given circumstances about who might be up for whatever job. And uh, obviously, Leipold would be a guy that they would want too. And so I don't know if we think uh, that he is the leading candidate right now for Nebraska or not, Lance Leipold, that is. But we do know that there are Wisconsin ties too. So that's a conversation we'll have in a bit. I know Sip's going to join us. I think we got Jim Rose back on again tonight. So it's it's the whole gang back together again with more talking points. But at least this one, like you said, Sean, coming off of a win. If you would, what stood out most to you? Was it the defensive effort here that I know I went back and watched the game? I always do in anticipation of our conversation. I've gotten into it now watching Nebraska. I want to see these these kids win games. But I thought they looked a lot more buttoned up, especially in that second half on defense than we've seen them uh, so, so far throughout the year. Yeah, they had seven three-and-out stops and then a four-and-out stop uh, on a fourth down late in the game. I mean, that's that's an incredible number for Nebraska. I mean, that's a great number for anybody mm. on defense. And not only that, they only missed six tackles. And, you know, to put it in perspective, they had missed nearly 14 tackles per game on average the previous four games of the season. And that's – that's I mean, when, you, when you're giving up almost 600 yards of offense a game, you know, you're, you're going to miss a lot. Of, you're missing a lot of tackles. You're not lined up right. So Bill Bush coming in as the interim defensive coordinator in his first game, I think that was the number one priority. Let's at least line up right. I mean, give ourselves a chance with our stance and our eyes and our feet instead of having kids scrambling around not knowing where to go because they're waiting for calls to come from the booth. And and I think football has become a lot of that. It's a it's a chess match between headsets and and you know coaches going back and forth and I think that was almost a downfall at times for Nebraska's defense and we saw them play extremely disciplined they were ready to go and they knew Indiana was going to run a lot of plays and we're going to try to run a lot of plays so I thought Bill did an outstanding job having those guys ready they forced turnovers they got pressure and you know they got a break too Indiana's top two receivers did not play and and they they were two of their better players but I'm not sure it would have mattered Basilak the quarterback I mean he 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 couldn't hit water right now. I mean, he, he was off the mark. They got a lot of pressure on him, and, and they did a fairly good job shutting down the run as well. Isn't it funny sometimes, Sean, that when everything falls to pieces, you just go back to the basics, you go back to the fundamentals. We've watched coaches over the ages do this, and I've noticed over the years, most of the time, it has a positive influence, at least for a game or two. You know, at some point, you got to broaden it back out again and, and and begin to maybe throw some exotics at people. But I think when everything is going wrong and kids' heads are swimming, getting back to the basics, the basic principles of what you want to run, understanding fun, fundamentals again and executing that well always seems to give an initial surge. And that's really anything in life. When you can just do it without thinking, you're pretty yeah. good at stuff, you know, <laughs> like – when yeah. you can host a show, Jeff, without having to think much and you can just do it, you're pretty good. Yeah. But I'm sure when you're trying to put together a topic you're not very familiar with, it's a lot harder. And I think for kids on defense, if they're trying to wait for calls and checks and am I lined up right? Did I hear the call right? Um, it became a problem that they were searching, I think, too often, too not for the perfect defensive call every time. And it got to the point where it was breaking down the defense for huge plays because – Look, Nebraska doesn't have elite talent on defense, but they have 
a lot better talent than what those statistics were showing. And that's why Bill Bush stepped in and got this opportunity because of where they were at as an overall unit. So now they get the win, and you mentioned it's a short week. So I assume the press conference today, what did we learn? It's Rutgers on Friday night. Yeah, we were moved up a day early. Um, you know, and it's a Friday night game. It's funny, Nebraska played out there Friday night the last time we were there, too, and that was in the 2020 COVID season. It mm. was a December 18th Friday night game in New Jersey where it snowed like eight inches the day before. And they didn't allow fans in the stadium. Um, so the parents of the players were not allowed to travel and go because of the COVID deal. Um, so Sipple and I were two of the four Nebraskans <laughs> that went to that game. So anybody that had a streak of all-time streaks going to games, obviously most people's streaks ended in COVID because you couldn't go unless you were a parent. But nobody went to that game except me and Steve Sipple and two other writers. And it felt like one of the other writers joked this week, it felt like we were covering a football game in East Germany. I mean, it was just a bizarre scene um, with Greg Schiano coaching in his first year during the COVID pandemic. And now we'll go back out there. It should be a lot better setting on a Friday night. I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, seeing, seeing where you know, things are at and what, what the scene is like there on a Friday night. And I would guess it's going to be an intense game because Rutgers desperately wants to get back into the win column. You know, Greg Shannon is a hard-nosed coach. Nebraska's feeling better about themselves getting a win, understanding that, hey, look, the West is kind of wide open, and who knows, maybe you get a little mini winning streak going. They love Mickey. You just got done talking about that. So I think you're going to see two teams fight hard on a Friday night. Should make for a fun game. And, by the way, I feel happy for you, Sean. You're not going to be dealing with freezing temperatures, at least not yet in October. You're going to be all right. Well, it's funny that 2020 game, they they wanted to evidently keep airflow in the box for, for COVID reasons. So it was freezing cold out and <laughs> they had the doors open and I, I should have sent Trey this picture, but I, I mean, I, I had a stocking cap on. I was, I mean, it was, <laughs> that trip was an interesting deal. Uh, just going back out there for that game. And I kept getting up and closing the door and somebody just kept opening it behind me that entire game. We had this back and forth deal going. Um, and you know, that game, in a lot of ways, I think about that day, it was kind of a turning point for Scott Frost as well. I mean, there were a lot of turning points for Scott Frost, but you know, they won that game. Um, they went three and five in that game after they won. And they technically qualified for a bowl game because there were no record qualifications. And they came back after that game and Scott kind of said, he's like, I'm going to let the players decide, you know, kind of the noble, let, let the kids yeah, decide. Yeah. Well, then the kids voted. They didn't want to go. Well, the offensive players voted. They didn't want to go to a bowl and the defensive guys wanted to go. And it led to a lot of this infighting and, and squabble that they didn't get a chance to go to a bowl game in 2020. And it let a lot of, a lot of backfire. And it was one of the weaker leadership moments that we saw that at that time, Scott Frost said, look, this is Nebraska. We go to bowl games here. This is COVID. I get it. Everybody wants to go home for Christmas and whatnot, but we go to a bowl game and they haven't been to a bowl game since 2016. So that what to me is a real low moment in the last several years that, you know, they, they turned down an opportunity to go to a bowl game when now we know where the program's at here today. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. 
Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. It's interesting, Sean, because I doubt in the moment, and it's always hard, and it's certainly easy in uh, hindsight is 2020, as they say, but in the moment, could you have known that that was going to portend of several missteps from Scott Frost, the coach, who who probably didn't think anything at the time of that. That's a proud guy who was a great player there. And as you said, Nebraska was accustomed to going to big-time bowls forever in a day. It was not a big deal not to go to a bowl, but uh, interesting – or not a big deal to go to a bowl because that's what Nebraska does. And he was probably thinking it was beneath you. Yeah, and, and I think he just assumed the kids would go. But then they not only vote no, Wandell Robinson decides to, to peace out at that moment and goes to mm-hmm. Kentucky, leads the SEC in receiving, became a second-round draft pick in 2021. Luke McCaffrey that night in New Jersey just said, I'm not suiting up, basically opted himself out. He was hurt, and then he transferred um, You know, a few months later after, after uh, that bowl game was over. And you know, there, there were just a lot of things. That was a bad, I mean, a, a, a great, it was a great comeback win. One of the better comeback wins that we saw with the Scott Frost team, um, the way Adrian Martinez played and led them to victory. Uh, but it also was you know, like one of the old coaches said that was the worst game and the best game all in one because of the number of turnovers and self-inflicted wounds Nebraska had that night to win. Um, and they'll go back out there and get another shot at Shiano. And uh, that's the only team, by the way, in the Big Ten Nebraska's not lost to yet. Um, so they've got an undefeated Big Ten record against Rutgers. So they, they got to keep that streak alive, too. <laughs> well, on the line on a Friday night, Sean. Hey, so I am I am kind of curious, and, and I know as we bring Sip in, uh, also uh, uh, Jim in later, uh, this will be a big talking point. Uh, what was the reaction in the news amongst the media there covering Nebraska to uh, word that Wisconsin had fired Paul Christ. Was there an immediate reaction about, do you guys think, I guess I'll ask you first, you get first crack at it, do you think that Barry Alvarez did that in order for Wisconsin to throw their name in the hat for Lance Leipold? It's a great question um, because I, I think Wisconsin and, you know, McIntosh is the AD, but I feel like we all know Gary, Barry Alvarez uh, Gary's still the, the mob yeah. boss. I mean, yeah. You don't, you don't get to make a move on a made man without getting permission from the boss. And right. I think that thing obviously ran up the flagpole to Barry before they made the decision. And uh, I read Paul Chris will get $11 million, um, took a lesser buyout uh, from the school. Um, was I surprised? No, in some respects. But yes, I was. Uh, because that's just not like Wisconsin. You just don't see them partake in NIL and the transfer portal and firing coaches like this. Um, but when Brett Bielema, who somewhat left there on bad terms after he won the Big Ten title, mm-hmm. went to Arkansas, goes into Madison and jams it up your you-know-what like he did, that that had to get everyone's attention. That, wow, a guy that basically knew our blueprint came into our building and used our blueprint at Illinois – and destroyed us in Camp Randall. And it, as you know, it's not easy to win in Camp Randall. Nebraska's never won in Camp Randall since they've been in the Big Ten. Um, and, you know, they've when you play there at night, it's really, really difficult to win. Um, but I've talked to a lot of coaches and people behind the scenes, and they'll tell you that this is not, you know, Wisconsin has dropped off the line of scrimmage in other areas. The quarterback play has not been up to subpar. But most importantly, the recruiting operational side, if you talk to true industry people that know the ins and outs of what's going on, 
the, the behind the scenes recruiting and day to day, the NIL world, they're not equipped for it. And the game could jump them pretty quickly if they don't adjust and adapt. Even Iowa's trying to get their NIL going and, and they're behind in that area too. But you've got to have some semblance of NIL and other things going yeah. with your program. I, I get it. No one's comfortable with it. No coaches. Um, but if you don't embrace it, you're going to get uh, behind quickly because the transfer portal gives everybody an immediate out to go somewhere else and play right away. Um, so, yeah, it is fascinating what's happened at Wisconsin. And um, I feel like they've hedged their bet two ways. Like Jimmy Leonard gets seven games yep. mm-hmm. and no ranked teams of, over these first seven games. And if it doesn't work out, you know, Lance Leipold's a very viable option for him. We'll bring in Steve Simple here in just a moment. want to remind everybody out there watching, we're on every Monday. It's always a good time. We have these experts that join us every week. Of course, Sean and Steve and Jim, and we bring in others as well, and we kind of go through uh, what's what in the world of Nebraska football, obviously, right now with uh, the coaching search, but also coming off a win. It's awfully nice to talk about that tonight. Lately, we joked about it at the top of the show. I've come on and we've been only to talk about a coach that was dismissed, another coach that was fired, and all those other things. But this time around, it's about a win and about some of the other intriguing things happening around college football and within the Big Ten. Don't forget, you want to like and subscribe, but also you got to join. It's powered by On3, Husker Online, the best in the business. It's going to be an incredible rest of the year as we continue to vet this process. There I see Sip is with us again. Good evening, Sip. How are you? Hi, Jeff. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Good to, good to have you back, buddy. Good. Well, thank you. And I, you got me at a good time because I just literally got off the phone with a with I would call Wisconsin insider, someone who's been around the program for 25 plus years. And there's it's it's very clear. It became very clear to me what's going on there. I mean, they just want they want this to be Jim Leonard's job. Um, and I don't think he's got to do much. I think McIntosh, just Chris McIntosh, I heard you guys talking is their A.D., he just wants some guys to settle it down, um, get them to good play good, clean football. I wouldn't even say there's a win number attached. My guess is he doesn't have to do much, doesn't have to do much in that regard. It might just take a couple wins, just, just get it settled down and get him playing good, clean football. Um, and, and it would be him. And I, and the other thing he told me that was interesting is Barry had no influence, had very little influence, Barry Alvarez and won't be, and won't be part of the or influential in the hiring process. Sip, um, do you believe that? Yeah, I do. After t- this guy, I, 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 yeah, I, the person I talked to knows this. I mean, I, he's very close to Barry. Um, and yeah, this is McIntosh's deal. Um, and it was, I mean, Barry didn't know about it as of Sunday. Um, I mean, Barry didn't know about it Sunday morning. So McIntosh kept it under wraps. Um, so yeah, it's very interesting, but this is the bottom line is if you're a Nebraska fan and you're hoping for Lance Leipold, this isn't going to affect, I don't think this will affect it much unless Wisconsin falls apart. I mean, just, just falls apart and they just, it's clear that maybe this is too much for Jim Leonard, but if he can just keep it, if they can, if he can just get the team settled down and playing good, good, clean football then it'll be his job. Listen, there's a reason he didn't take that. You know, the Packers came after him in February, 2021 to be their defensive coordinator. And what I was told is there's a reason he didn't take that job. And this is the reason, this is the reason. 
So, I, Sip, how bad were things behind the scenes then with Chris? I don't know that everybody realizes, I mean, that this was mounting to a point where it could happen in season like this. Well, I he may, you know, I don't know exactly how bad it is behind the scenes. I don't think it's real bad in terms – I don't think there's any scandal or anything like that. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, they were 9-4 and four last year, Jeff, and Paul – Chris made some changes – one of the changes just isn't going well at all with the, the offensive coordinator change with with Ingram. Um, it's just not going well. It, it, they think that maybe the problems up front have to do with the fact that the that the you know the play caller and the offensive the, the play call and the offensive line coach just aren't on the same page. The offensive line seems like it should be better, um, but it's it's not playing well. Braylon Allen is i mean he's dancing at the line i mean if you watch the illinois game at all and i went back and watched some of it he's just dancing he's not running like he did last year um they got a lot they got a lot of issues their inside linebackers aren't nearly as good as they were last year that's a that's a big thing obviously at wisconsin and they they have a big drop off at inside linebacker um, they're not getting pressure on quarterbacks. You know, the way it was portrayed to me is that this is not necessarily a Graham Mertz deal. They got a lot of issues besides Graham Mertz. What's interesting to me, Sip, is if he is the guy, mm-hmm. he's going to want to make some changes with coaches and other things behind the scenes. So you're going to yeah. see this. You're going to see this version of Jim Leonard for Wisconsin, but then he's going to go through a whole overhaul of things probably in the off season. Um, and and truly put in the people that he wants because he, he's obviously not going to keep all of the crisp people around him. He's going to want some of his own people, right? Well, you would think, I mean, because it's gotten pretty bad. I mean, they've, it's, I mean, they have played, it was embarrassing against Illinois and it was embarrassing at Ohio State. And again, I don't think anybody there is expecting it to get a lot better. So yeah, I, Sean, I do. I think at the very least, he's you're going to have a new offensive coordinator, which is a pretty big move right there, right? They got to find, they got to get that rectified. It, it just it sounds like Bobby Ingram just it can't work there with him. So yeah, we'll Isn't see it, how it shakes out. But I I think this is much different. One way one one way to put this is I think that Wisconsin situation is much different than Nebraska's. I mean, they feel like they have their guy for sure. I don't think – I mean, Jim Leonard's odds of getting the Wisconsin job are much better than Mickey's Uh, because nobody's saying Mickey's just got to win a couple, you know. He's probably got – he's got to do better than that. Isn't it funny, um, Sip, they they play Ohio – I mean, Nebraska had to play Ohio State six straight years, and everyone's like, oh, what's the big deal? You joined the Big Ten to play Ohio State. Well, some of those games, you know, got – Mike, you know, it led to Mike Riley getting fired and I, you know, all the things that happened. You play Ohio State. Oh, in, yeah. In the Big Ten schedule. It exposed a lot. Oh, Sean, you make a great point because it's a really good point because when, you know, it was last week when Wisconsin went to the horseshoe and that was a night game. Okay. We played that game six years in a row, basically. Right. A, a night game. Well, not, you didn't play night game. Nebraska didn't play night games all the time, but we've seen that scene at night at the horseshoe when that when that when that crowd gets going against you when that stadium gets going against you it's like a big bull you got to wrestle it down and you got to be really good to do it wisconsin was wisconsin was nowhere near equipped to do it and yeah sean it's 
yeah, it gets guys fired. They, they go there and get humiliated, and one loss turns into two. Now, I don't know if that's what happened against Illinois. Illinois hum, humiliated them, too. I don't know how much those events are connected, but they might be. Um, but the bottom line is, yeah, when I was watching Wisconsin, Sean, I had a lot of flashbacks to coaches who got fired at Nebraska. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I think the big takeaway here, Sip, from you tonight, besides, um, you know, obviously what you said with Barry Alvarez really not being a part of this, is that you don't believe to reiterate for people that just hopped on that this is going to have any effect whatsoever uh, as to whether or not Lance Leipold would take the Nebraska job, given his ties to Wisconsin as well. You don't, you don't think it'll have any impact. Yeah, Jeff, the way it was portrayed to me is if, if you are a Nebraska fan hoping for Lance Leipold, I wouldn't worry too much right now. Not right now. I'd watch Wisconsin. And like I said, Jeff, if they fall apart completely going forward and Leonard can't get them going at all, and they're they're just playing bad football like they have been. Then yeah, then Wisconsin might have to look. But they've Jeff. The best way to put it is they've put all their chips on the table pretty much for Leonard. Okay, the chips are on the table, and it's it's Macintosh and the brass. He's got that's that's the guy they want. That's the guy they want. Um, now, if it gets if it's just out of control though, and you know optics are bad then maybe they'd have to make a move to somebody else hey sip how surprised were you that chris took i believe it was eight million less or nine million less on his buyout he took around mm -hmm. 10 or 11 versus 19 million dollars which was originally owed um did the person you talked to go into those details at all a little bit um he yeah he was due he was due 20 million plus and took 11 million and uh, I don't know exactly the details of the contract, but he did it so he could get the 11 million now and it wouldn't be impacted by what the next job he took. So he, he can get the 11 million up front. Um, it's no not strength. mitigated. Yeah. Not mitigated. That's it. And so that's why he took, he took the 11 million. He gets it up front. He gets it now um, clean, clean. And that's it. Sean, you want to bring in Jim? Yeah, let's have uh, Rose and Jim. We're gonna we're gonna let uh, Ro, uh, Jim or Sipple go here, but let's let's bring Jim in briefly to the conversation with. Steve. Okay, thank you guys. I appreciate you having me on. Sip, Sip, Sip couldn't wait to bounce. <laughs> He's ready I mean, what's, to go. Guys, what's the deal? I come just for Sip. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, here's the deal, Jim. Me and you tend to talk way too much. No, and, and Sean gets left out. So no, we're, gonna, we're gonna do a little different tonight. Okay, no, we're man. fine. We're fine. Hey, Sip, thanks for joining us, buddy. Be good, man. All right, Jeff. See you guys. <laughs> I get Rosie ten times a week on the radio. Yeah, I, this is his pay. I get, he gets he comes. I get him once a week on the Monday Night Rundown show. <laughs> what on, Jim? How you been? Good, fellas. How you doing? Great, great. Good to see you again, Jim. What are your thoughts? Big picture. I'm sure you heard some of the conversation there. Uh, what Sip said. Do you echo that or do you disagree? I do. Uh, if you look at the comments made by Chris McIntosh, he will. It, it was almost like. I have this amazing 
bromance with Jim Leonard. Uh, I mean, just the way he <laughs> referred to him as Jimmy, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> look, they want him to be this next coach and they probably have for a while. Uh, and I think Chris takes the buyout, the lesser buyout, because he has a very good chance of becoming one, a head coach at one of these programs next year. Uh, look, the guy won 72% of his games. Uh, he had this team, his program in the top 10 and the top 15 for most of his seven years there. They won bowl games. Uh, I can see why they made the change because they were afraid of losing Leonard, who's their future. Uh, and they feel great about him. Former Wisconsin dude. So um, I, I was a little surprised because, yeah, they're off to a bad start. But I think this was designed to maintain a recruiting process, that there will be a seamless transition into the recruiting class, and that they're not going to have all of this doubt swirling around the program. Uh, but it certainly did jolt college football because, uh, yeah, yeah, they looked like they looked terrible against Ohio State. They looked really bad against Illinois. And they looked pretty average against Washington State, too. Uh, and I think that made it easier for the administration to say, look, we know who we want. And short of a complete meltdown, I don't see how Jim Leonard isn't the next coach of Wisconsin. Jim, Sean, they looked listless. <laughs> I, I, you know, when I, I've watched every one of the games you just referenced, Jim, and I thought to myself, they don't, they're not playing for this guy. They're not, I mean, a lot of times you can just see a team's not talented enough or they're getting beaten in an area where a segment group is incredibly weak and they're getting picked on. And then there's those moments where you're watching a game and the light bulb goes off. They don't want to play for this guy. And I saw that going all the way back to Washington State, like you said. Yeah, they, they got worse offensively. I mean, yeah. let's be honest about it. If you only rush for two yards, I don't care who you're going up against. You could go up against the best teams in the NFL and get more than two yards. Yeah. But Graham Mertz has regressed. You go back two years, he was a lot better quarterback than he is right now. I mean, offensively, this program has not recruited playmakers. They've not developed their quarterback. I think their line is still solid. But I think the years of, of staff turnover, I think the years of, of having new people on the staff and, and just not having a dynamic offense has caught up to them. Uh, they're not getting the playmakers they used to get, and they certainly aren't developing the playmakers they used to develop. Jim, in some ways it reminds me a little bit of 2002 Nebraska. I mean, you go back to – 20 years ago, I just think we took for granted that the linemen will just keep being made. The running backs will just keep coming. Everything will just always come into place. And it didn't. And, you know, that was one of the things that Steve Peterson recognized right away that the talent had been slipping. And I think you can say the same at Wisconsin. And, you know, I talked to people in the recruiting industry and they'll tell you Wisconsin went like almost two years without full-time operational recruiting staffers behind the scenes to manage the recruiting. They had part-timers and GAs doing it, but the, you know, they lacked, I think some of the things you have to have, and they're definitely not up to speed in the NIL world. Uh, when Caleb Williams considered going there, they were just making phone calls to people trying to get $25,000 kick-ins to help get, I mean, it was, they weren't even prepared to get a guy like Caleb Williams. Yeah. And seeing that's on the head coach, Sean, it's a great point. And I think your analogy is spot on. You know, you get to a point where you think, that this thing just happens automatically, that we will automatically take a you know Ford F-150 and turn him into an offensive guard that winds up into the NFL. Nebraska fell into the same trap. Dan Young and Milt Tenniper stopped working hard. Milt admitted as much. They stopped working hard in recruiting. Uh, and I think that's what's happened at Wisconsin. They just got into a place where they thought our style of play 
is going to be good enough to get us eight or nine wins in the Big Ten every year. If we get lucky against one of the better teams, then we'll pull off a stunning upset. But it doesn't work that way. And you've got to be out. You've got to have an NIL strategy, but you've got to be able to get material. Yeah, Nebraska turned a lot of guys into players, but they were pretty good athletes before they were turned into players. My favorite example is Lauren Kaiser. Lauren Kaiser played high school basketball. He played high school football. He ran track. In the Shrine Bowl, he played four different positions, and he wound up as a defensive lineman at Nebraska and was a very capable all Big 12 level defensive lineman. So you have to you have to recruit an athlete. He played yes. point guard, right? You, yeah, he played point guard in high school for St. Paul. So yeah, sure. You can develop guys, and that is 50% of it, and that's the 50% where Nebraska has not been successful over the last 23 years. But you still got to get guys that can run and that are going to grow bigger and stronger and faster. And Wisconsin isn't doing that right now. Jim, what'd you make of the win against Indiana? Obviously, it was a sight for sore eyes. Nice to get it in just under 365 days, right? Get that victory there. And, uh, you know, hey, maybe they keep it rolling here. Rick Rutgers is coming off a couple of physical games. It's um, it's a winnable game for Nebraska. Sure, you bet. I I, I was pretty <laughs> I, I, a good win. I mean, it's good to get a win. Anytime you finish the game with more points than the other team, that's a good win. But let's be honest about it. Indiana may not win another game this year. That's possible. They might. Uh, it is the worst defensive football team in the Big 12 or Big 10. Uh, they are the most one-dimensional offensive football team, and their top two receivers were not playing, and their receivers dropped a lot of passes. But that second and third quarter, those two – I mean, guys, I was really frustrated. I, those two teams set football back 50 years in that second and third quarter. Uh, I mean, the penalties, the blown assignments uh, – it was a win, and that's good. It was the first win uh, against a, a Power 5-level team in 300-plus days, almost a year. But uh, Nebraska has a lot of improvement to make, I think. Uh, and it, like I said, congratulations to Mickey on the win. It was a win, and the kids did play well in the fourth quarter. They did separate themselves in the fourth quarter. But that was not a good football team that Nebraska played on Saturday night. Uh, and they kept that in this game. Uh, and I, I'm frustrated by that as a fan. But I was thrilled for Mickey and the team to get the win. And you're right. We're looking at two straight here because Rutgers has a very, very average offense. And their defense is okay. But let's see who gets kicked out as a result of that fight against Ohio State. You're a podcast listener. And this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Yeah, you mentioned that second and third quarter, and you know, it, it was brutal for Nebraska. I mean, you look, you go in that stretch. I mean, Nebraska had just like I think it was like 113 yards of offense um, in that stretch of football over two quarters. I mean, they, they did not put up numbers in that second and third quarter. And then the penalty yardage probably almost, you know, was more <laughs> than what Nebraska was doing on the field. It wasn't until that play. And here's the exact numbers. They ran 35 plays, Jim, in the second and third quarter, Nebraska for only 113 yards. Yeah. It, it just was not good football. It, it was not quality football. Uh, and, uh, but it was a win. And, the kids do have a lot of doubt, and I think that game may have erased some of those doubts. 
But I watched the Indiana-Cincinnati game, and I saw a defense that was very vulnerable to the big play, which impressed me how Nebraska attacked them on their opening series, and they get the score. But I think they should be doing this the whole game because Indiana does not have people that are capable of making plays in the defensive backfield right now. And then when you couple their offense, which it's not a good offense. And and when you're down your top two receivers, it really becomes an average offense. So, but it was a win. And at this stage of the game, I think we can all agree <laughs> a win is great. And it was good for the state and it was good for the program. It was good for the kids because the kids did deserve a win. What do you think of this scene here, Jim, with Trev Alberts going in the room, almost like an NFL owner presenting the game ball? It, it was uh, quite a unique scene, but you know the momentum for Mickey, is it, it picked up a lot. And if they go out and win Friday night, they're a two-and-a-half-point favorite, then the conversation Wesley West Lafayette gets pretty interesting. It does. Uh, I think it says something about Trev more than – I wouldn't read into that this is some sort of – you know. Uh, attraction to Mickey that wouldn't naturally be there anyway. Trev has always put the kids first. He wants the kids to celebrate this season in any way possible. That was a good win. Okay. That was a real good win only because it was a win and the kids have been beaten down. They've had bad experiences through the course of this regular season issues in the off season. So I think he really wanted to celebrate with the kids and that says a lot about him. He's a guy that just cherished his time here on the field. Uh, there's a little bit of Trev Albert's blood on that field for a reason. He cared so deeply about it, and he cares deeply about these players. That's why he made the move with Scott Frost, $7.5 million move. Uh, you know, there were other reasons, but the biggest one is he says, I want to give these kids a chance to have a year that they can look back on fondly. And this win over Indiana was just that. Uh, and I think Rutgers, hopefully, they'll clean up some of that stuff that happened in the Indiana game and play better against Rutgers. But Rutgers, again, very beatable team. But after Rutgers, everything starts to change. And we talked about that all offseason. Purdue is now a real threat. Purdue is pretty good. Uh, they've got the best offense in the Big Ten Conference. Yes, they do get penalized a lot. But uh, it's it, it's. It's not bad, and they have a 60-year quarterback who's hitting 65% of his passes. Uh, and I think that Purdue, that will be a very, very large game for this season and for Mickey. I was wondering, I don't think there's – it sounds like and, – and, Jim, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but talking with you the last few weeks, short of really a minor miracle, if Nebraska wants Lance Leipold, there's nothing that Mickey can really do to get this job. Uh, I, I think that uh, on today, which is the 3rd of October, mm -hmm. but Sean's right. There is momentum for Mickey Joseph right now. Uh, I sensed it today talking to two different people, one of whom is very close to the program and has had interaction with both the athletic director and Mickey. Uh, he's a big Mickey Joseph guy, uh, and he knows Nebraska football. Uh, and I didn't say, oh, why do you think that? Uh, right. Because he's welcome to his opinion. But there is momentum for him. And, and there is a little bit of history on Mickey's side as it relates to assistant coaches getting their first head coaching job and succeeding at it. I just made a just a sort of a rough list before the podcast tonight. Mike Gundy, Les Miles, Jimmy Johnson, Bob Stoops, Pat Fitzgerald, Gary Barnett, Brett Bielema, Dabo Sweeney, Ryan Day. 
Barry Alvarez, and then three guys you might have heard of, Joe Paterno, Tom Osborne, and Barry Switzer. They all succeeded in their first head coaching job after careers as assistants. So it's not like it's never happened. Um, I'm not close enough to Mickey Joseph to know what his fundamental philosophies are, what his priorities are. I, I don't think he has a record at this point of proving the ability to develop guys, which of course is the foundation of what Trev said he was looking for in this search. So I still think it's a real risk to give the job to somebody who's never done it, despite all of the emotion and the momentum. Uh, I think you've got to go with an established head coach whose system has proven the ability to take players and make them better. Now, all of that said, there are so many dynamics associated with the coach search season, which is what we're in. The first one is, remember, Dave Aranda and Mickey Joseph worked well together at LSU. Those two are pretty tight. So Dave Aranda, maybe he was a Wisconsin guy, I thought, until I heard this athletic director there gush about Jimmy Leonard. So I'm thinking Aranda may be gettable, and a Mickey-Dave Aranda reunion could compel Mickey to stay as an assistant coach if Dave Aranda is the head coach. That'd be a dynamic. The other one that strikes me as plausible is Vance Joseph is very well liked in Colorado. This is Mickey's brother. And if I'm Mickey's agent and Mickey, I'm working with Vance to try to get Colorado to demonstrate some interest in Mickey. Because I think Colorado will hire an assistant coach. Might be Eric Bieniemy, Might be Tony Offer. Might be a lot of people. But I do believe that Mickey would be a great fit at Colorado for what they're looking to do. Or they may see that because he's such a recruiting monster. And at Colorado, they got to get some people. I mean, they don't have time to develop the system like Nebraska does. Nebraska, the system you know, of, of player you know, move in is pretty solid. Uh, they don't have the issue that Colorado has, which was a massive defection of guys mm -hmm. to other schools. They need an immediate infusion of material. And Mickey would certainly fill that bill. Well, Colorado doesn't have a lot of money to pay. I mean, that no. And so their price point is probably a Mickey Joseph type or somebody that's sitting out. I mean, Colorado's not going to pluck a quality sitting head coach. No, and they don't have that kind of cash. The Pac-12 does not have the massive TV deal on the dock that all of these other conferences do. So I agree with you, Sean. I think that's a, a big factor for them. Money has always been a problem at Colorado. It's a pro sports town. The CU alumni base is not motivated to support sports. Most of them never went, never grew up in the state of Colorado. Most of the kids in Colorado go to Colorado State or Northern Colorado. The kids that go to CU are from other states because it's a very good school, but it's also a lot of fun. Uh, so you get a lot of Texas, California kids going to CU, and then they go back to Texas, California, and they don't care unless the buffs are really good. Um, but I, I, there is momentum for Mickey. I'm not going to deny that. And I just don't know Mickey as well as I know other guys that are swirling around in this conversation. Uh, and I don't, and, and Trev certainly hasn't told me what he's going to do, but I know he's watching Mickey. I know he's watching him closely, but we got to be careful about what you place a priority on when it comes to hiring your coach. The, the thing I hear a lot about Mickey is he's a player's coach. Well, what exactly does that mean? Okay. Does that mean that the players like him? Well, if the players like him, are they going to play for him? You know, I think a head coach has to have a certain degree of, of uh, 
separation between the guys and the position. That's what assistant coaches are for. Assistant coaches are the, you know, the guys that have day-to-day contact. I don't know that it's healthy to have a coach that the players love. I mean, Ed Orgeron was that guy. Well, Ed Orgeron has been fired from virtually every coach, coaching job he's ever had. Uh, is that what we need? I think there needs to be an intimidation factor. Some of the best coaches that uh, I've ever known in my career were coaches that were not what you would call user-friendly, at least not in the very beginning as it related to their players. Dave Van Horn was not user-friendly, as an example. Uh, John Cook was not user-friendly, as an example. I don't know that Tom Osborne was user-friendly. Now, they believed in him. They, uh, they trusted his judgment. His record spoke for itself. But I don't know that a player's coach – please define that for me. What's the definition of a player's coach? Uh, and I don't know that a head coach should be a player's coach, at least not in the traditional sense. Yeah, Mickey, I'll say, you know, he's he's building up some good local political capital. Like they're they're making offers, Jim, to a lot of young players in the Metro. Like Fred Batito, I talked to Fred today in his office, the legendary Miller North head coach who coached Eric Crouch. Um, and Nebraska offered one of his players today. It's a sophomore. It's the first Miller North player offered by Nebraska since 2008. Um, They offered an Omaha Central player last week that's a junior. Nebraska hasn't taken an Omaha Central player, I believe, since Grixby, um, Courtney Grixby. Um, So you go around the horn and see what they're doing. They offered an eight-man player in Ainsworth, and um, they offered a freshman at Omaha North, um, you know, this past week, a a freshman uh, player. So he's getting a lot of local coaches, I think, in his corner, um, and Mickey's calling these coaches himself. He called Fred Petito. He called Larry Martin. Um, he called um, over at Omaha Central as well and and, and made these offers directly. Um, so it's interesting, the approach behind the scenes, because it is getting some momentum locally in that metro area. He, he's a very good recruiter. I mean, it, there can be no argument that this is Mickey's strength. He's a relationship guy. Uh, and that's how you do it. I mean, that's how all the Nebraska coaches all those years, that was Mill Tenniper's strength and Cletus Fisher's strength. He had great relationships with high school coaches. And even if he didn't take their kid, he would talk to them about, okay, who should I be looking at? And so that empowered the coach. The coach felt like my opinion counts with Mill Tenniper or Cletus Fisher or Dan Young, some of the guys that used to you know, uh, recruit Nebraska for, for Husker football. I don't think there's any doubt. He's a tremendous personality. He's got an infectious personality. Uh, he's he's a he's a neat guy. Um, but is this what Nebraska needs in 2022 to take this thing out of the ditch? This thing's in the ditch, and we have to have a cultural overhaul. We have to have a brain rewiring here. Uh, and I I don't know. Maybe Mickey is that guy. Uh, and I think the next few four, three, four weeks, we're going to find out a lot more. But if you have any athletic director I've ever talked to has always, I mean, to uh, almost universally, if you have a chance to hire an established head coach who has proven to be able to do what you want, you got to hire them before you go to an assistant. Uh, unless there is just some incredible momentum and some amazing experience with the assistant that trumps all of that. And that's pretty rare. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. 
Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Ultimately, the record will probably help us all decide there, guys. I mean, it's Rutgers this week. If you don't win that game, then we start having a very different conversation. Say they do. It's Purdue afterwards. What, Illinois, Minnesota, um, Michigan, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Iowa. Iowa, That's going to be tough. I mean, that's that's a very physical schedule you just talked about, Jeff. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's... You know, and <laughs> I, I, I think I, I, I was encouraged by some of what I saw on defense. I'll say I think we all were. Right? We were encouraged by some of what we saw on defense. Tackling was improved. Guys were in position. Defensive backs were making plays on passes. So that's a good thing. That's a good sign. That's a good trend. Uh, but it's going to be so much harder after Friday because everybody's a lot better. Look, Minnesota looked like garbage against Illinois offensively. Tanner Morgan had a bad day. Ibrahim didn't even play. But they will get a lot better. They will not have passes bounce off of guys' chests in the end zone to be intercepted by an Illinois guy. That's not going to keep happening. Uh, they're going to make – they played great defense the whole day. But Minnesota is, is not going to have another one of those weeks. There's no way. I think Illinois is really tough. I was impressed with the way they played in week one against Indiana, and their offense is getting better, and Brown is a very underrated back. Uh, so that's going to be tough. Uh, obviously, Michigan is a playoff-caliber team, and Iowa is – they're, they're going to do something to get better offensively. They're still really good on defense, uh, but they're going to get better, and uh, I can't imagine – well, they certainly can't get any worse, and their special teams are still the best in the Big Ten. So it – it's going to get a lot harder the rest of the way. The easy games are over Friday night. Uh, and the, the less physical games, there's more depth on those other teams than, uh, than Indiana and Rutgers have combined. So I thought it was great to get a win. Terrific outing for the kids to get the victory. It was exciting. It was fun. Uh, and, and that's wonderful. And enjoy that win and try to get another one. But just realize that the rest of the Big Ten is going to be a load for everybody in the division. It's very plausible, though, we're going to get an Ohio State-Michigan undefeated matchup on Thanksgiving weekend with the winner going to Indy, and the loser could still even be in line to get in the playoffs depending on how that loss goes. Yeah. The Big Ten West, I I think 7-2. and two. Well, 6-3 and three with tiebreakers is probably where it's headed. Yeah. I, I mean, if anybody goes 7-2 and two in the Big Ten West, they'll be stunned. But six and three is going to win the Big Ten West with tiebreakers, uh, I believe. I, I mean, if you just start adding it up based on what everybody has, I think Wisconsin will get a little bit better. They'll have a, a, a kind of a fresh enthusiasm and infusion, and Jim Leonard's going to do some things there, just like Mickey did here. Uh, but Purdue, I mean, we've always thought Jeff Brom was the best offensive mind in the Big Ten. Even when his teams were winning, you felt like that guy, that system – they really believe in it. So they're going to be tough to beat. You know, they're going to be, they're there, they're at home. That's an evening game too, I believe. Uh, it's going to be tough to win there. Uh, and they could blitz Nebraska. They got some people. They've rebounded from the loss of their receivers to the NFL. And their defense is better than people think. Uh, I thought their defense looked pretty good the other day. 
that's the book on Nebraska. I think now people are going to blitz the you know what out of this offensive line on 32 pass dropbacks. Casey Thompson was blitzed 17 times. Yeah. You know, and you compare that, that to a year ago with Adrian Martinez because he could outrun the blitz. Yeah. Adrian Martinez might get four or five blitzes in 32. They're going 17 blitzes all on Bryce Benhart on the right side. And then right. with Corcoran out, you had a backup left tackle. I do think that's what we're going to see the rest of the way. Rutgers will bring heat. They're going to bring a lot of heat on Friday night. They're a, they're a better defensive team than offensive team, uh, which is hard to believe because there's so much material in New Jersey. Now, I know they've always lost a lot of it to Penn State and to some of those other big East Coast schools, but there's so much material in the state of New Jersey. Nebraska has exploited that pipeline for years. But, yeah, they're still struggling, and that was an ugly scene the other night. It's too bad it happened. Uh, Crickshank will probably get suspended at least for a half, I would think. At least there'll be a lot of momentum to do that when he clocked the punter out of bounds. And, yeah, that punter was – that was an, he was an A for doing that. He should never – that come on. And I don't know that he was coached to do it, but, you know, we're talking 20-year-old kids here. Uh, but if we – if Nebraska turns the ball over, uh, if, if Thompson throws interceptions or the running game – stalls like it did against Indiana it's a four-quarter game and we all know what that means that means you're one score away or one drop pass you're one you know receiver falling down from disaster so it's not going to be easy uh but I gotta say I I think the kids really feel so much better about things because of the win Sean before we wrap up anything we need to know again short week Friday night game anything about what folks are going to be looking for on Husker online and anything you guys got coming up this week I know everything was bumped up a day as you said earlier yeah we've got a little bit different schedule we still will have a tunnel talk on Friday and it's a game day but tunnel talk Sipple's been on the phone all day and he's like I already got tunnel talk halfway done so um, (laughs) if you're not familiar with tunnel talk it's our Friday war room that's probably our most popular feature on the site our chat will be Wednesday morning at nine because uh, we're kind of moving some things around and we'll still sure. have a regular Husker online show that Jim and KFAB will air as well. On, um, and w- I guess we got to figure out when that's going to air on Friday on KFAB. Yeah. Well, the game starts at six 30 local time. So we're going to probably air Thursday night. Yeah. We might have to air Thursday night. I'll have to, you know, I'm going to bang on a couple doors tomorrow to find out when they're going to run it, but Thursday night would be great. Or maybe started at five o'clock on Friday. That'd be good. That'd be even better. Off the air an hour early. I don't know if we got the regular Husker buzz at five. So yeah, we got, we got some, these Friday night games are more trouble than good. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's, that, that's the legacy of Jim Delaney. Get a little more TV inventory by playing Friday night games. Nobody, nobody wants to play a Friday night game. Nobody wants to play a Friday night game, but we got them. It's sad. Uh, I'm anxious to see, you know, what happens this week. Uh, I'm just in terms of the coaching carousel again. What's happening? What's moving? This TCU KU game in Lawrence is going to be very interesting. ESPN Game Day is there for the first mm-hmm. time ever for a KU football game. You got two top twenty teams. TCU looked unbelievable in their win over Oklahoma, and KU could have a little trouble with their athletes if they play like that. Kansas is going to have a problem at home. But this will be an excellent opportunity for the rest of the country to see Lance Leipold. It's on FS1, I believe. They're going to have a chance to see what this guy can do and what he can dial up against a superior opponent. And TCU, man for man, is superior to KU in talent. So let's see what this guy can do against a superiorly talented team. 
And that'll give you a very good indication of why people like him so much. What if he wins? Jim, what if he wins? If Kansas wins, are we starting to get into that nervous area of, oh, no, they'll keep this guy? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question, Jeff. If Kansas wins this game, he's looking at National Coach of the Year, yeah. certainly midseason National Coach of the Year. Uh, if KU wins this game, they are one game from bowl eligibility, one victory from bowl eligibility, but it'll send the program potentially near the top 10, which would be almost – unfathomable given where they were before he took the job. Um, if they were to win, I think it just, it, it heightens interest in him by other programs. I think Wisconsin without Jim Leonard would be a tremendous threat to get him because he's from there. And mm -hmm. his first job was as a graduate assistant under Barry. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's a factor, but um, I don't think it changes much. I think maybe it enhances Nebraska's interest in him, but I think either Nebraska is really interested in Lance Leipold right now or they're not. I think the vetting has been done, the due diligence has been done, and now they're just trying to find the timing to either extend an offer through his agent, Brian Harlan, or, you know, they've already done it and they either have an agreement, an understanding, or it's we're not interested. But I don't think Lance is the only one. I, I Watch Kyle Winningham. You know, watch the, the buzz on him. Because this guy checks a lot of Nebraska boxes, and he's in a conference that could vaporize. Correct. I mean, he, he's a Mormon, but that doesn't matter. The man has been remarkably consistent in a non-football place. Uh, and we don't see him much because all those Pac-12 games start so late. But I like Kyle Whittingham. This guy, whew, he's, he's done a great though. job. Yeah, he's done a great job. Well, listen, folks out there watching this and reading all the articles on Husker Online, we do this every Monday. And then, of course, they've got you covered throughout the rest of the week. It's always fun to react to what's going on with Nebraska on the field as well as off the field, what's happening within the rest of the Big Ten. And, of course, the ongoing coaching search. I would ask you to sign up, be part of Husker Online right now. $10 for an entire year, you're not going to beat that. It's as good as it gets during a coaching search in particular, especially with the insight and the expertise these gentlemen bring you every week. Don't forget, sign up here at the end. If you like what you saw tonight and you like what you're reading during the week, for just $10, you can get an annual subscription. It's good. It's a good investment, and it's um, it's going to be fun, man. This is a fun ride. I'm enjoying doing this with you guys. I always appreciate it very much. Uh, Sean, safe travels. I assume you're going there, buddy. And uh, Jim, it's great to talk to you. I'll talk to you again next week, I assume. And uh, go Huskers. I enjoy Thank it, you. fellas. Uh, safe travels. Enjoy the rest of the week. Get out and enjoy the weather. It's, this is the only month of the year where Nebraska can compete with any place in the world for weather. So don't Perfect. Blow it. Yeah, enjoy <laughs> it. Thanks, Trey, for producing. Thanks, all of you, for watching. Be well, be well, everybody. We'll talk to you again real soon. Take care.